Hello, and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week, it's just us, so deal with it. No guest, just your faves, and we're watching Cheaper by the Dozen and his remake, Cheaper by the Dozen. So... We know that there is like an older Cheaper by the Dozen, but we're going classic 03 Steve Martin, Bonnie Hunt, and the latest 2022 remake with the impeccable Gabrielle Union and Zach Braff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Emphasis on the smallness of Zach Braff's name. Yes. I don't think I've ever watched this movie, the 2003 one, because like, I mean, it was like that perfect time where it's like Lizzie McGuire is like happening, like Hillary Duff's at like her peak. There's like a bunch going on. And it's like, okay, like I know this movie, but I know that I have not seen it, you know? Yeah. And um and so I had no like no context. And then just out of like out of the blue one day, I got like, you know, you're scrolling through like Google News or whatever, and it's like cheaper by the dozen remake. And I was like, oh, okay. And then for some fucking reason, literally up until last week, from the moment it was announced until like last week, there was just so many like cheaper by the dozen, blah, 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 cheaper, like all these fucking headlines. And it was like, okay, who are these cheaper by the dozen stands? Where are they? <laughs> Do they exist? Because I don't believe you. Like this yeah. hype machine does not really have me hyped for this at all. <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting to think if there is like a fandom for the cheaper universe, cheaper by universe. The original is like from the 50s. I was like, oh my God, how many fucking times are we going to remake this movie? Yeah. I mean, like their movies. Oh, and it's based off of a book. So the, the original movie is based off of a book. And then that movie was turned into a remake, which was then turned into a remake, which will inevitably become a TV show. Probably. Yeah. It's a movie. They're movies. They're definitely movies that exist. Um, my history with them, very nothing as well. I do think that the 2003 movie, though, is one of those movies that I like. I'm like, oh, I've seen this. But in reality, I've really just seen the trailer a million times. Or like, <laughs> there, I, I do that a lot where I'm like, I've seen that 100%. And then I watch the trailer. I'm like, oh, no, I saw the trailer. I have no idea what this movie's about. <laughs> I just... I, I remember these little quips and like the the little catchy lines that repeated so many times because I used to watch so much TV and like it's imprinted in my brain. So I think that this one is one of them. Like, what were the lines that he says? He said a line when uh, him and Beans are swinging from the chandelier and that was in the trailer. And then he also said something else oh. later. And then the young girl, what is her name? Uh, Sarah. Um, Sarah. The, Allison the Stoner. Shithead? Yes. Yes. She says something that's also in it. Also, she's fucking cool. Do you know who she is? <laughs> no. She was the little girl in all those Missy Elliott videos. <gasps> really? Yeah, she's the dancer. Fuck. Oh, that's Yeah, tight. she was she was also in Camp Rock. She's been in a bunch of stuff, but she, that was her. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, she's awesome. So that that like little girl who could really fucking dance. This was she, this was a movie she was in. And you're like, "Oh, okay, sick." But yeah, I don't uh, have any affiliation with it apart from that. And watching it, I was like, oh, I don't actually think I saw this. And now I have. Congrats to me. Congrats to us. Really. <laughs> we did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> we did it. Um, we should we it. just do it? Let's should do it. Should we just go into it? Okay. 
Tom and Kate Baker met in college where they fell in love with each other at the number 12, so naturally they got married and had a dozen children. Having tons of kids was always in the plan for them and was in fact so important that they both gave up their big career ambitions and settled down in the suburbs. Flash forward 20 years, everything is chaotic, everyone hates each other, and they're all too overwhelmed to nurture their familial relationships or even to remember everyone's name. Great job, mom and dad. Tom gets an offer to coach his college football team, his literal dream job, and moves the family out to the city despite the kids' adamant protest against the decision. At the same time, Kate gets an offer to publish her book that she's been working on about her family, surprise, which will unfortunately take her away from said family for a few weeks. Tom assures Kate he can manage both having a job and being a dad on his own while she's gone. However, in just a few days, Tom spectacularly fails at both, cutting his wife's book tour short and costing him his job. Oh, and one of the kids runs away too. Anyway, Tom finds the missing child, they move back to the suburbs, and everything is as it always was for the Baker family. The Baker's dozen. Ooh. Um. I mean, there was a moment they could have done that, but they didn't. They did it in the next one. They did it in the next at the, one. At yeah. the very, very end. Yeah. Because that, yeah. Um. First and foremost, I do want to say that this is a Piper Parabo stand account. I'm obsessed with her. Do you know her? She's the oldest sister. She? Oh, okay. And only because the only other thing I know her from and which I will die loving her for is Coyote Ugly. Yes. Yes. She's the lead of Coyote Ugly. And she's so good. And that movie is so bad and silly and camp and trash and messy. And she's wonderful. And I I used to be obsessed with Coyote Ugly as a kid. So she will forever be imprinted in my mind. She's amazing. Cheaper by the dozen. (laughs) Let's talk about it. It's a movie. (laughs) So you'd said before or in the intro or maybe before we started something about like this family hates each other. And I was immediately like, I disagree. (gasps) And we were going to get into it. Okay. We should. Let's just jump right off into that. So you think this family hates each other. Yeah, I think nobody likes each other. I think there's like some camaraderie from the kids maybe, but like. They're all assholes to each other. I really fucking hate the, well, sure, I want to kill her, but I'd also kill for her. Like, I so hate that. Agreed. I hate that. Terrib- terrible line. Also, no offense, Hillary Duff, but like, she did not pull it together in this film. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> she not- also didn't. The kids didn't have a lot to work with. The kids were like one-liners. So They really didn't. So for me, my big disagreement is between Kate and Tom, which is Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt. I made like several notes of this being like they really like each other like they no matter what there's a consistent level of love like and respect that they constantly have throughout like it could be the most stressful day and there's still a level of like you've done this before you've got this i'm also here we can handle it the one thing that he does wrong is not like communicate with her when she's like gone and then like that creates like the rift but ultimately he's like there's that level of you're following your dreams. You've literally never had time off. Like, we did this thing for me. Let me do this thing for you, even though I'm failing at it and running myself thin. I don't want to concern you with it. Go live your dream. Be mad at me later. But follow that for you. I just like how supportive they were of one another. No matter what. And I mean, granted, with the kids, it's tricky. But even then, like, a lot of these kids are fucking brat. Like, I don't want to say that. These kids are being kids. They're being... Uh, aggressive misunderstanding 
um, intentionally obtuse, silly, grumpy, frustrating. Like they're 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 being kids as kids do because kids are constantly growing and learning, and they respond. I think like the best way parents should to these kids sometimes like even when the oldest son who's like you know i don't like you right and he's like i know that instead of being like yeah well fuck you too asshole like you think i like being your dad like like how some dads would like they would just be big babies about it back like he's just like yeah okay great and then cool like you can hate me and that's fine but like i need you to do this thanks and then they have like a nice moment later. And even with some of the kids, like somebody will throw somebody's like, grab it. Hey, nice throw, but let's not do that here. Boom. Like supportive, but a nice reassuring bump of, hey, little rough. Please tone it back. But way to go. You're doing a good job. Kill it. Sure. But at the same time, Steve Martin specifically can't remember all of his children's names. And it's like, true. And and, that's, he, and I feel like a big reason why the kids like are really awful to uh, Frog Child, to uh, the, the child they refer to as FedEx. FedEx, um, which is a real rough fucking nickname. Which Jesus. was fucked up. Like they call him FedEx because so they're like, you don't belong, right? You got dropped off by the FedEx person. Yeah. You're like, cool, 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 cool. But like mom and dad don't really like, they don't really curb that kind of behavior like and they themselves kind of feed into that because it's like oh wait what's your name i'm sorry i forgot right and i feel like a lot of that stuff that you're talking about yes is there but i feel like a lot of it is performative and i say that because um so uh, again like the kids are acting out because they don't have the attention they like their parents aren't able to nurture them because there is so many of them so like of course like nora you know the eldest daughter and the the eldest son and everything are going to like have a little bit more of a connection with the parents because at a certain time, they were the only kids. They were the only people in their lives. So they got to have this connection that the other children will never know, right? Because the mom has been pregnant or recovering from pregnancy literally for almost their entire marriage, right? Every like, single year, it's another pregnancy. <laughs> she yeah. like uh, Maybe she just didn't even like actually quit her job. Maybe she's just perpetually been on maternity leave since you know she had the first Which, one. Which, if that be the case... Scam it, girl. Go off. Dude, like, I mean, get, absolutely. Get get your money. That's great. <laughs> but again, so they're they're having all of these children, but not having them because they want to. It, to me, it felt like they're not having them because they want to be parents. They're having them because they want this number or because they, they both want a lot of kids, right? So, which, well, like, but again, they don't really nurture them, right? And so... Then, like, dad is, like, gets this opportunity. He uh, tries to be like, hey, everybody, let's talk about this. The kids are like, no, fuck you. And he's like, well, uh, no, actually, we're going to go. And then mom gets, like, her book deal. And he's like, yes, honey, do this. Great. But when it comes to, oh, wait, but things are going to change and you're going to be gone. Hold on. Wait a second. Okay, you know what? No, no, no. Just go. It's going to be the one day. Oh, two weeks. Okay, well, hold on. I'm going to do that. But really inside, he's like, it all kind of comes to a head where he's like, you picked a really fucking good time to have a career, right? And he's just pissed off at her and blames her for kind of what's happening. Like, the house falls apart without mom. I hate this. I hate that somebody can't be a dad. 
a dad simply cannot be a dad. I feel like this movie really reinforces the gender binary and gender roles in like this way that is really, really shitty where the women are always calling themselves fat and saying that they need to lose weight where the women are always like the ones that are cooking or, you know, like Nora has to come and help with the kids because she's like she's now like this caregiver and it's expected of her. But Charlie's there and Charlie doesn't really have to do shit. Right. Like Nora has to leave and then takes her boyfriend, her boyfriend friend is playing video games which like oh my god um he's playing video games while she's sitting there cooking for him and then she leaves him because he doesn't want children you know so like okay okay we're we're really reinforcing this but i think a lot of it too i think there's some religious thing happening here because yes like because originally like they're like okay cool we love each other in in college let's fuck and like in religion, right, and in, in certain religions, you are only supposed to fuck if you are intending to have a child, right? And they are clearly still very horny for each other. So, like, th- yes, this is why they had this many. And then, like, oh, we had enough so we can, you know, I'll get the vasectomy, which great. Glad that he got the vasectomy rather than her having to have her tubes tied because it's way harder for women if they even allow you to do that, right? And that's that was off the bat where you started was why are they having this many kids could not agree with you more why are they having this many fucking kids a we don't need this many people b as parents you understand that after like maybe the fifth or sixth child you're not going to be present for like it's just no matter how good of a parent you are no matter how hard you try you're just not gonna have the bandwidth for them Mm -mm. it's just not gonna happen so like there is a level of like (laughs) <laughs> there should be a level of recognition of of that moving into that sort of a parenting role, especially after the first couple of kids. Like, mm-hmm. why 12? Like, I know that a couple of them were accidents, but like, babe, buy a fucking condom. Like, it's really not well, hard but- to wear a condom. They tried to say that the dad had like seven or eight brothers and sisters, right? And he like he loved that experience growing up, and he wanted his kids to have that. So they knew they wanted a big family. That's like the premise of this, right? And yeah, but, and like some of the kids were oopsies, which okay, fine. But then the other thing I start thinking about is, was this great for you because you were the oldest or the youngest or something? Like, was what was your dynamic in that family? Because clearly you don't talk to them anymore, and clearly they're they're incapable of being here for you when you are supposedly so close and had such a great time with your brothers and sisters growing up that like also worth noting worth noting that this like when they move to the city for him to be Mr. Football Coach it's only a couple of days that this like that this whole movie takes place like he ruins this job in a couple of days like and his wife is only able to go out for a couple of days it's not like weeks or a month he cannot handle being a father and his work will not allow him like any sort of leverage again like reinforcing like we're the man you don't take care of kids you don't have that job right reinforcing all of these like really harmful notions about like about fathers right it's like a couple of days and he gets fired because of that kind of pressure that his job puts on him, yeah. which is just... I mean, I will say, though, I do like that in the end, he chooses not to keep it. He's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I can't do both. So I'm giving you this job back and I'm yeah. going to be with the family. And Great. the only person who does get to follow that dream is the mom. She publishes her book. It is a national bestseller. Like, So in the end, he recognizes this messiness and is like, hey, maybe I have been spreading everyone too thin. 
I do need to be more present. I do need to let her take some time because she's like, I've been able to do all of my shit forever. We're a team, but generally because of this binary, I've been able to do whatever I want to. She's kind of like, if she's not here, it falls apart. We see this. Let me step back. Let me quit this job. She wrote a wonderful book. That book is going to give us more than enough money. Let me be home now. While she gets to be the breadwinner, she gets to be the one following her dreams, where I've been able to do that my whole life, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. So I like that that's where it's resolved. The I also reli- like that he doesn't look happy at the end. Like, he just <laughs> kind of looks... Like, the last shot of his face is not like, oh, yeah, this is great, and everything's happy. Like, he just looks just kind of like, well, this is it. Well, yeah, and it's also <laughs> like, I, yeah, you I had 12 like kids. That. You had 12 fucking like. It's hard. Why did you think this was going to be fun or easy? Like, I don't. Right. It's. <laughs> there's heavy religious undertones to it as well. Just for that idea of procreation, bringing more followers into the world, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it is a little bit messy in that regard. And it does sort of hold family above all else, which, yeah, when you're parents and you have young kids, like, duh, be there, be present. But I want to pat. Or like bat back on the what you said he was mad that she had to go I don't think he was like mad he was like this is just really inconvenient but yes you're right and she's like no actually I can say and he's like no no no, you have to go and she's like okay he he does tell her to go but but even when she like calls he's not like it's falling apart without you there's a literal axe through the door and he's like no everything's fine do not worry focus on you the book thing has to happen for you. Sure. It's going to be fine, even though it's like so far from fine. And that's like the whatever. Well, and part of me wonders, though, I don't feel like that was as much for her as it was for him being afraid of failing and like saying that he failed. But the thing is, is I disagree because I do think that he has failed consistently as a coach, which is why this like big thing is so huge, like. How old is this man? How long has he spent trying to get literally oh, no, no. this he's, job? He's succeeded as the coach. Like he gets this job because his like his team is like oh and whatever. Like they're they've won every single game for as many this many seasons or whatever. And his friend offers him this job. He's like, hey, I know this is your dream job. Come here. Like he gets that job because he he doesn't even apply for it. His friend is like, this is your dream job. You are doing a really good job at coaching. Come here. And the reason he never went for coaching above any where he was was because he's like, okay, I'm dad. I have this house. I have 12 children. Okay, great. But this is the one opportunity that he can't say no to. That's true. Yeah. I guess he hasn't. We haven't really seen him fail. So this is like, yeah, maybe it's because to me, I didn't read it as like a fear of failure because of the way that they interact early on. Like they're very Mm -hmm. clearly very much in love. Like the moment when he like turns around, he's like, were you checking me out? And she's like, of course. And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh." it's like this cute little moment where like they're still very horny for each other. They still like each other. And the the conversation of like, we're united front. Like, hey, I'm I'm here. Like you say something. I'm going to have your back. Like we're a team. You're my best friend. I like you which is why I'm here, but I also love you. Like it's, you are it for me. And it Mm -hmm. seemed like that was super resonant throughout. So maybe it is a little bit of him failing, but it really did genuinely feel like I can't fail for her. Like not, I can't fail because of me. She has, she has to have this and I know she has to have this and I need to make this happen for her, which means that I can't let this crumble, but it's a crumbling 
and I am failing at this, but fuck. Okay. Well, I can't tell her now. Like, cause that just can't happen. I can't take that away from her because if I tell her <laughs> something's wrong, she's dropping everything. She's coming home. So I can't let that happen. So maybe it is like, maybe he doesn't want her to see him as a failure. Like, Oh, I'm gone for two days and you can't even handle it. What about me doing this for 22 years or whatever? Like, Mm -hmm. fuck, like really you can't be here for me in this way. But it did really feel more like an earnest. I want to see her succeed at this thing that she so clearly wants and is good at. And I believe in her so strongly that like she's going to get it. She just needs the time. And I need to give her that the time it takes to get the thing that she deserves. That's how I read it, which is why like in these small moments, I'm like, Despite it all, it did seem like they genuinely liked each other. Now, the kids are a completely different story, especially when we get into, like, Nora, the oldest sister, and her boyfriend and that whole conversation. I feel like I'm out of breath. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I fucking... I mean, you've been br- going. You're I'm like... so breathy in this. I'm like... Well, <laughs> I will say that part of me just... I don't know. I've never been a big Steve Martin fan. So okay. that might I might be bringing some of that here. And especially after working at Disneyland during the 50th anniversary at the Opera House where I had to watch Steve Martin perform the same <laughs> bit every 20 minutes without fail. I mean, I'm oh, just, I'm sure and, and that's also, ingrained in your brain. <laughs> it is very ingrained in my brain. But I don't know, like I find the kind of characters that he plays just kind of like tired and like just like I like again just like very much I'm the man of the house or like this is my role and it's always like funny it's always for laughs right I mean it's Steve fucking Martin um who's an incredible banjo player in case you don't know Mm -hmm. um but like I've never really loved any of the characters that he's played see like that that I've seen at least I genuinely i really do like steve martin and part of it is because he's kind of a soft boy to me like he's obviously like dad type like big man whatever but amongst the men like the (laughs) amongst the men big air quotes he seems like kind of like a soft pushover like kind of just like "Mm, i'm like a little squirrely Mm." he feels he feels just like like a little soft dad you know what i mean like he seems he's not as like i'm big strong and you're gonna do what i say it's just like like he'll make a joke out of authority. He'll make it whatever. You know what I mean? That's sort of his humor. That at least how I see it. And I don't have that baggage with him. So I like him. I don't love him. I'm not like a Steve Martin stand. I'm not like running the boards or anything. I do but... know Steve Martin stands, and they will be banned at you for saying any of that. But that's okay. I. <laughs> but you have uh, your opinion. You know You're allowed we to. We all have, have that. opinions. Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I. For the most part, I do think he's very funny. I love his sense of humor. I like that it's based in a lot of physical comedy and slapstick and really bad impressions. Like, that's the whole deal. Okay. You know what? I will say I like, I think I like a lot of his early, I prefer earlier Steve Martin as to, as opposed to like Father of the Bride and Cheaper by the Dozen. Because so, when I when I think of, of Steve Martin, I think of this era. And really, he's always been like 84 years old. But... Um, <laughs> But, like, but thinking of like something like um, Roxanne or something like from like you the know the jerk or it, yeah the jer- something like that like it's like okay yes this is it but when he steps into these kind of roles I don't love that see and again I feel that like when he is the sort of like sh- schlubby slip on a banana peel lover boy who's like thirty two amazing 
uh, to me because he is just this like he's like the sidekick who thinks he knows what's going on but then suddenly he's like literally out of the yes. joke and he's like wait why did everybody run away he's always that like he's kind of a dimwit and it's like the perfect silly little dimwitted character that he does in almost everything and i mean like he's so funny he, he is okay he is very funny i just don't i i don't no. like these roles for some Agreed. reason and maybe it's also because like some of the the men that you know again i was around growing up were like some of what he said or did like was just kind of perpetuating or like give it as an excuse for like these men to act in this certain way yeah so there's like at least headlines from this movie where I'm like, oh, I can, this person has said this, like, or I have seen this, like, you know, and this person would be like, yeah, it's like this, you know, so like, so I think, I think I just actively oh my help. Gosh, I think I just have daddy issues, y'all. I mean, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we fucking all? Oh my God. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I just, he, in that same way that we talk about Bill Murray, I feel like He's not obviously not Bill Murray. He's not necessarily even Bill Murray esque, but there is a level to the like. He's he's he definitely do anything... more endearing than Bill Murray at the yeah. very least, and he, he does respect women much more than than Bill Murray. Yeah, like, in these, it seems in, these in general ways, and in his yeah. character work, it seems like that there is a level to him that is genuine in that. Like, but again, that's like that's character. It's appearances. It's it's this it's this version of. It's this celebrity idea that we've seen perpetuated over four or five decades with him. So we don't know him. We don't know who he is in person. But genuinely, there is a more lovable quality than somebody like Bill Murray, where his whole thing 100%. is being an asshole, being aloof, and being a misogynist, whereas his is like none of those things. <laughs> and Steve Martin always, like, his characters always have this moment where they, like, kind of break down. And they're like, you know what? This sucks. I'm not this person, yeah. right? Where I feel like Bill Murray never has that. Yeah, so, that might be like, exactly it, actually. Yeah, okay. Maybe he, I'm working through my Steve Martin issues, <laughs> my my this era of Steve Martin issues on pod, but um, we all grow and it's great. But but yeah, I still, um, to me, I think a lot of his lines just really, and a lot of his mannerisms and like really just reminded me, like, I, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit triggered by some of this. and it was It's just totally like, possible, yeah. Because I even love, like, with the older brother, that whole thing where, like, he hates his dad. Like, yeah, I get it. Whatever. You get in the car. You're trying to butter me up. Is it working? A little bit. And, like, there's, like, a little bit of a tension break there. We're like, cool. Yeah. And then later, he's like, fuck you, dad. I'm leaving forever. Blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the last thing before they go. You were a loser in college. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last thing before they go out to find FedEx is what he says something to him. He's like, hey, something whatever, whatever. And by the way, I'm sorry. You were right. To his son. What? Yeah. What? A dad said that to his son? Like, you know what? Yeah. Like, what I did was wrong. And I'm sorry. And at the end of the day, in that, you were right. And I have no follow-up. I am sorry. And you were right. And he's like, mm-hmm. thank you. Boom. Whoa. Iconic. Amazing. Show-stopping. A dad apologizing to their kid? That's crazy. <laughs> Who would have no, thought? That's, that's great. And that's so wonderful. <laughs> And I feel like, because you're you're so right, and usually I pick up on that stuff, but I think like uh, between like the chaos of like eight children screaming and running it's around, a lot. and like yeah. I mean there was a lot of slapstick in these moments, which is really fun, but it was just 
like this movie is like 10 minutes of chaos, 30 seconds of like a real moment, another like 15 minutes of chaos. And then like, so like these real moments are sandwiched in between to where like for me, it was hard to like be like, oh, okay, this is happening. Okay. Like so much it's, chaos. It's a chaotic movie, which I think is like the whole point where it is this like, whoa, everything's happening all at once with this wacky family. Like that's the, what is the, it's, this is, <laughs> there were posters oh, when I watched it. That's on. the vibe for sure. And that's, that's what it's that's, supposed to be. That's Disney's whole deal. Like it was yeah. a, a, a whole like wall of, of Disney movies on Disney Plus. And they were all essentially the same poster. White background, something else. It was like um the No Good Very Bad Day, Parent Trap. by the Dozen, The Tooth Fairy, The Parent Trap. Like Freaky Friday. All, <laughs> Freaky Friday. Like they all have the exact same poster. Except yes. you interchange some of the stuff and it's like, what is this family getting into? Oh, no. <laughs> like, that's literally the premise of all of these movies is like, whoop, wacky family. Womp, womp, womp. Also, <laughs> I feel like they went really hard on the children being assholes to like a point where I was like, okay, as like a 10 year old, I would never think to steal ground beef from my mother and then go take my sister's boyfriend's underwear and like swear that like i would that would not cross my mind like well, i love that also and going back to steve martin being a king in this movie for me is his reaction to it is like who did this it was you you are a genius i literally never would have thought to do that you are so smart but you are grounded because you shouldn't have done that and it is bad <laughs> like you are you like you are i want your brain you're so smart but you are grounded. Please go away. Like, it, like you know what I mean? It's like a very sweet, like, hey, I can recognize the talent in this. Like, you put effort into this. That's sick. But it was bad and it did hurt somebody. So, like, it's a problem. But apart from that, this was 100% literally the perfect time for, like, Nickelodeon antics and Disney Channel antics where it's, like, kids rule, parents drool. Like, that was the whole right. vibe and aesthetic of, like, literally all programming for young people. Literally. And so, like, similar to, like, Big Fat Liar or these other movies where it's, like, Blank kids literally, yes, kids literally, like, putting adults in near-death danger sometimes. Um, and then it's kids Baby's like, oh, Day Out. Oh, another classic. Another classic. I need to rewatch Baby's Day Out. That movie is so good. Oh, my God. It Speaking really of is. daddy so issues, good. my God. The men in that movie <laughs> destroy me. Whoa. I was just talking about this with Eric the other day and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I don't know how old I was, but there were so many times where like looking back as a kid, I'm like, oh, I was gay. I'm gay. Like I was, I was gay. <laughs> I was a gay kid. Like maybe like eight or nine watching Baby's Day Out and being like, oh, these men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like what? I, my brain is just firing, whatever. Who's but um, mom in Baby's Day Out? Uh, yeah. Lara Flynn Boyle. Anyways, sorry. Okay. Tangent. I do want to rewatch Baby's Day Out so bad. But yeah, that's, I think to me, like the way that the kids do kind of go really hard on some of these pranks, like getting the dog to literally rip Ashton Kutcher's dick off in was this. so good. <laughs> is like, oh shit, like that's like really bad. Like in the reality of danger, that's terrifying and like awful. But how did he not scream? Like, I is know. what I want to know. Like, how did he not? How was he just like, oh, okay. Like, how did he not? How did he not? I know. It was, it was wild. There was like him on the ground. He's like, ah, 
<laughs> and they're like, get the dog off. <laughs> but it was just, yeah, I feel like this was of the perfect time for that kind of kids rule, parents rule. Yes. Um, Nickelodeon forever vibes. Um, so in the older brother's room, I did clock the Transplants poster and the Bouncing Souls poster because I have to yes. do that in all of these dumb movies where it's yes, like, of course, gorgeous. Uh, there was a line that I just think is funny because it's a lot of just like throw away a homophobia. The friend, what is his name? Who's the the hot dog wiener guy? Shake. Shake tells Tom at one of their meetings that he calls him just a pansy house husband. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, and it just, because to me, it does, it for some reason, like, the, like, I feel like Pansy's a little bit, like, too harsh for a Disney movie. Like, a Disney movie like this. I feel like Pansy, I'm like, because to me, Pansy is, like, borderline queer. Like, they're, like, almost saying, like, oh, you queer, but, like, it's a pejorative. And so when he was, like, a Pansy house husband, I was like, was he allowed to say that? That's, like, actually, like, a rough one, I feel one, like they no? do say it in a couple of <laughs> other Disney movies, too. Like, especially Pansy? anything that has, like, Tim Allen or mm. anything right like i feel like this was definitely of the era for disney where they were very happy using that to I, reinforce I I... masculinity and what is correct and what is you know not correct yeah like oh he's gonna stay at home and cook for the kids what is he a faggot and you're like oh okay like let's not <laughs> oh calm calm down like we don't you, we really don't need that, like you guys. But it's so aggressively homophobic in that way, where it's like he's not playing with the big boys because he just likes wieners, and you're like, oh, it's so it's a a it's such a boring subplot or such a boring like uh, it's boring. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised that it was used because I do think that pansy is a it's casual, but it is very much like a whoop word. Um, so I was just I was curious and I wrote it down because I was like, it's like I calling wonder. somebody like. The P word or something. Yeah, kind of. Like, and you're like, you know, oh, like, okay. It's I was a more G rated version of calling someone a pussy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's not, what else is in this movie? It's I like, don't know. There wasn't really a lot of substance to it. Like, it was mostly like, here's mom and dad, and then kid antics, and um, we're done. Yeah, there was beans, beans from even Stevens uh, showing up and getting wild. There, I mean, there was like the family across the street. There's not really a lot to say about them. Like they were bad because mom is like controlling and it's supposed to be funny because she doesn't eat meat and she only wanted one child. Yeah. Like, oh, she's a bad person for that. And here's the thing. Like there are moments where I'm like, I do think that like she's a bad person, but I do think it's one of those things that in like. Because she doesn't really get her justice. Like, because to me, if you're going to paint this character as like a bad person for the sake of like, oh, she's a mean B word or whatever. Like, like that's what they're trying to paint her as like, wow, aren't women just like bad? And like, she's the bad one of them, which whatever. For the sake of the dichotomy and the contrast and like the conflict. Yes. But in the end, she doesn't even get a redemption, which kind of bothered me. No, like they didn't even need to be there. We're left with that. She has not changed at all. She's still this stubborn asshole who we've introduced. And it just it just bumps me out because it just it does reinstill that like the misogynistic take on like a mean lady. She's just a mean lady. It's like give her everyone else gets an art. Like I don't know, give her a chance. But it nothing. was right there. Yeah. And it's hard too, because there's how many characters are here that they have to spend time with and it's an hour and a half. Like 
Ah, it's yeah. I, literally how many characters? It's it 14, is an hour and a half, and we spend a lot of 15, the time 16, with with Nora, who's left, and then it's like, oh, but wait, no, I actually want eighty four million kids too. So, uh, bye, Ashton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Which, I mean, granted, she should have left him because he sucked, but like. He did suck, yeah. Not for that but, reason. Be like, oh, he actually doesn't want to have. A, yeah, he doesn't want to have a million but kids like, with me. So fuck something him. else that we didn't really talk about was like, I feel like a lot of the decisions are like really manipulative in this movie, where like it feels kind of like there's certain moments where this person wants something, so they are a little bit manipulative in how they present something, or even like the vote. Like, okay, we're gonna vote to see how we move, right? We're gonna do this. Let's talk about this. But it was really just like, well, I'm gonna change the votes anyway, right? Like, or um, Nora and like, and Nora's whole reason why she wanted to get away from them was yes, so she could fuck her boyfriend. But um, <laughs> the biggest part and the thing that she says is because she feels like they manipulated her all the time and they're manipulating her now into coming back. So like, well, yeah, exactly. Like I'll only come back to help if we can stay in the same room. How about you get here and we talk about the details once you get here. Correct. No, tell me that's happening or else I'm not coming. Like, fuck you guys. Like right. I'm an adult now. Let me be an adult. Like I'm not, I'm your child, but I'm no longer a child. Like, and she's yeah. trying to get attention. She's like, I got my dream job. I got this. I got this. And like before they like she can even say anything, they're like, oh, can you go grab the a diaper or can you grab um, a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid, not diaper, whatever. But like she's like, oh, cool. Well, I got a job. I got the one that I wanted and nobody cares. And that kind of goes back to my um, my point that sure like mom and dad love each other but they don't really they're not really there to nurture their kids and they can't be how can you be there and be this person for literally 12 12 people you yeah. know like and so i don't know i i and a lot of that has to do with belonging and like again like how do you get 12 people to go along with things well i mean you do have to you know figure out how to manipulate things or situations or you know like manipulate even your schedule right how i'm yeah. gonna drop this person off and go here and then you're gonna take the twins here and you're gonna do this like a lot of a lot of their life revolves around that idea how can i make this work and how can i make like so um, so I think it's something that's just kind of second nature. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did like that for her. And, you know, that like that she's like, hey, like I was being manipulated. I don't want that. But then at the end, she's like, oh, but you know what? Maybe I do. And I'm like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel it's at the end of the day, don't have fucking 12 kids. Like literally don't have 12 mm -mm. kids. That's just the whole answer is don't have that many kids. It's like not worth it. <laughs> it's right? not a good it's not good yeah it's not good no one's uh, gonna have a good outcome like, from that like when when you have children like are you doing this because of this number or because you've always wanted kids or are you doing this because you want to be there to be a parent and to nurture a life and to like you know parenting is not just like oh my god i get to put them in cute outfits right like well, for a you, long time i used to think that i wanted to be a parent and it was because like oh i would be such a better parent than my mom like and my yes. parents i would be so much better at this but then would i be having children because i want to have children and nurture them or would it be because i'm going to be sticking it to my parents and being like haha see i did a better job or would it be because i want to dress them up in these cute little outfits and stuff or like would i want my child to be their own person you know how would i deal with that like 
if at any point, like your answer is something like that, I mean, maybe you shouldn't be having kids. Maybe you need to understand why you want to have kids before, you know, and I feel like they never questioned that. They were just like, I had eight brothers and sisters and I wanted that. Well, I've always wanted a big family because I'm the only kid or I was the only kid. Okay, great. So they're coming at this from their own experiences, right? Not necessarily because they wanted to be parents. And so mom... She had that nurturing relationship with her parents. So I feel like she was able to be there a little bit more really for the kids, probably, because she understood what connection and stuff was and what that parental connection was, whereas Steve Martin's character um, did not, right? You know, likely. Um, He was just like, have them and let them do whatever they need to do. Yes, exactly. Like, let let them grow. (laughs) Let them run. I don't know. We'll feed them pizza or something. Right. Like, how hard can they be? Anyways. Yeah. Don't have that many kids. Literally. Don't 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 do it. it. Paul and Zoe Baker met in Paul's breakfast diner where they both fell in love after Zoe referred to Paul as the Willy Wonka of breakfast without all the slave labor. The two headed off and were quickly married, bringing together several children from their previous marriages and having a few of their own, bringing the grand total to nine children. Everything was going great. Paul's ex-wife, Kate, babysat the younger kids while the older kids worked with the parents at the breakfast restaurant. Zoe's famous ex-husband and Paul had a very healthy relationship. And Paul's secret breakfast sauce finally found investors and became an overnight hit. Paul decided to take some of the investment money to buy the family a huge house in a rich, very white gated community, which resulted in their non-white children and Zoe having to confront a new level of racism daily, to which Paul was completely oblivious and unresponsive to. On top of that, Paul's nephew comes to live with them and tries to start a new life with their support. Things start to unravel as Paul is frequently called away on business trips, Zoe feels cut out from the family business, the kids turn to violence, and even start giving up on their dreams, finding it difficult to exist in a space that is not welcoming to non-white folks. Everything comes to a head at one of the children's birthday parties, where Paul is finally forced to confront how his decisions are affecting those around him, and his nephew runs away. The family goes to get the nephew, moves back to their old neighborhood, drops the investors, and gets back to what's most important to them, each other. Um, so I do want to start this one off by saying that this is a Gabrielle Union stan account. Yes, um, she's literally, lovely. she's <laughs> this. Okay, I don't want to be like mean. This movie is not great in my eyes. I don't think it's well written. I love a lot of the ideas. I like a lot of what's going for. I hate Zach Braff, so he was a huge yes. turnoff for me. But then. She like literally anything that she was in, she carried. Like she was 100%. working, she was working with a like not to be like a dick, but like kind of a crummy script. And she delivered. She delivered constantly throughout. No questions asked. She carried this movie. Gabrielle Union. We are not worthy. She's so good. She's so good in everything she does. I love Gabrielle Union. Now we can get onto the movie. So the movie <laughs> is. <laughs> I, okay, so I'll go back to what I said about a lot of cool ideas. I love that in this version, we're getting more of a conversation about divorce and about like splitting up and having kids from different people and, and how that like kind of comes into play, especially when it comes and co-parenting and especially when it comes to like biracial co-parenting. Like what does that look like and how does that look like in the context of family when it comes to race and and white perception of race in this context 
Um, all those ideas. I'm like, yes, I'm so into this. I love this as like a concept for conflict and also just as a story. Like, what a cool way to update it. But the way it was executed, I was like, not. I don't know. Like, if Gabrielle Union wasn't in this movie, complete dud. Unforge. <laughs> like those scenes with like June, and I love June Diane Raphael. I think she's amazing. But like her being that like racist neighbor. Like, nobody in that scene is kind of giving anything except for Gabrielle Union. She's the only one who's, like, giving an earnest, reactive, intentional performance. And everything else is just, like, it really did feel kind of like a crummy decom. This, to me, it felt really heavy-handed in the ways that it was trying to talk it about some of these issues. And um, I just looked it up. And, um, I mean, maybe you can you can verify. But it looks like it was written by Craig Titley, who's a white man, which tracks. Because this whole thing felt like it was trying to be like, see, white people, this is our experience. While still centering the the white guy and the scrawny little white guy and his journey in here in this movie when like literally his wife is saying I'm uncomfortable here and he's like no 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 it's fine and her ex-husband Dom is like hey you need to realize like Gabrielle Union has to have the talk with her children like hey we cannot bring fake guns anywhere because this is you can play with this at home but you cannot take this under no circumstances can you take this out and Zach Braff would never have had that conversation. He'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. like, even though he is with Gabrielle Union, he hasn't done any of the work to understand where she's coming from and what what the world is like for her and her children. And that's apparent in so many different avenues. But he he's receptive eventually. And he's not like malicious. The way it's portrayed is he's not malicious in it. It's fine because he's got work to do, you know, like, but... I feel like, especially to be a parent, to like, why have you guys have been together for probably like eight years, 10 years, something, right? Something like a, a good amount of years to where you should know and understand these complexities and maybe think before you do something or before you give advice or before, you know, like consult your wife about where you're going to fucking move and say, is this going to be okay for my children? You know? Yeah. Um, Thank you for bringing up the writer. And I don't mean to come on here and continuously dig drag writers, but like true to form, why are white people still writing stories and like perspectives on black experiences? Like we don't need to keep doing that. Like it's bad and wrong. And like, it's going to make for a shitty product. A, B, you have no idea what that looks like or is. So don't touch it. Like get away. It's not yours. It's not your story to tell. Stop telling it. And it it came across so evidently in the scene with um, Zach Braff and what is the other actor's name? Dom. Dom, yeah. Timon Kyle Durrett, who plays Dom, Gabrielle Union, Zoe Baker's ex. Uh, when they're standing there and he's like, I'm taking full custody of my kids, blah, blah, blah. They're on the porch. And Dom is essentially like, you don't get it. You are not black. You will never know what it's like. I feel like, like, yes, everything he said was correct. And even when Zach Braff or when Paul, Zach Braff, says, um, you're right, I will never get it, blah, blah, blah. But, and there is always a but <laughs> with white people in these conversations, I love your kids and they're a part of my family and blah, blah, blah. It was such a white-centered conversation. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they did the the bare minimum to recognize that, like, 
well, you don't, it's like, <laughs> the next best thing would have been, well, you don't know how hard it is to be white, right? Ugh. But this just toned that down a little bit and still centered Zach Braff as like, the focal point in a conversation about black experience, which is like, well, no, stop. And it was so clear that a white person wrote it. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, it was so clear. Like, yeah, maybe I'm not black. Maybe I I will never know what it's like to be black, but I love your kids. Like, hey, that's actually not what we're talking about. (laughs) We're talking about blackness in the face of whiteness as violence. We're not talking about how you love your kids. Like, and I know that's what the movie's about. It's about family and you're trying to prove that, like, you're a good dad. But that's not what Don was talking about. <laughs> like, why are we switching, changing the sub? I don't know. It was so apparent and silly. And I was like, oh, and it, God. It felt like such a weird tonal shift, too, whenever we switched it to these was. ideas. Where it's like, okay, like, again, cool. You want to tell this story. Have a black writer. If we're, if like, because like these issues are literally brought up in like every single part of this movie where, you know, Gabrielle Union and the moms, right? Or the rent a cop or even at the kids' schools. It is just so, it, it definitely felt like it was written by a white writer yeah. and, who doesn't understand these experiences and maybe was trying to, you know, be like, oh, this is okay. So this is what this is like. And this is what us white people need to understand right like yeah and but again you're not the person to speak to that and like uh, at least like not in this way because you're trying to tell this story from again like you're trying to tell the black experience as a white person when you don't understand that the person that wrote the scooby-doo live action movie is not the person to write this was that who this person is yeah here i'm gonna wait stop and he also wrote the original Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh. I mean, not the original, the the Steve Martin version. Oh, no shit. So he wrote this with James. He wrote the Scooby-Doo movie with James Gunn. He was one of the writers. He was a story by writer for that. And then. And Cheaper by the Dozen. And he worked on. Screen story for Cheaper by the Dozen. Wait. So he's the writer of literally both of these. He's the sole writer of each one of these. Uh Uh-huh. Because Frank. Gilbreth wrote the novel and Ernst and Gilbreth Carey wrote the novel. They're the, they're the people who wrote the book. So for this one, he's the screen story. So he is the sole story for this. Yeah. Screenplay. For this and for the Steve Martin one. Okay. That surprises me because wait, I know that's I, really weird, right? That's really weird because to me, I'm like, that's not the same writer. It's I was just strange. Gonna, that's strange because I was literally going to say like, I was going to juxtapose the storytelling from each to be like, oh, see, like in this one, that writer did this, but it's the same guy. I <gasps> mean, that makes this a more interesting conversation. So please it do really, that. It really does. Okay. Well, because my whole thing was like the way that I loved the way that he'd written or that it was written in the first one, how they genuinely liked each other and supported each other and had their back. And in this one, it's not as evident or as clear, especially in like that scene where he's talking to Gabrielle Union and he's like, this has always been my dream. She's like, your dream? What about mine? Like, isn't it our dream? Like, I literally have invested my entire life in this with you. Like, I helped you develop this restaurant. Like, I'm here. He's like, yeah, but like, I'm doing all this stuff. And she's like, we are doing all, like, why is it suddenly like just you and I'm just forgotten? Why is that a part of the conversation? She has a marketing degree and she's not even a part of these conversations where she like, 
And so to me, I it seems absolutely like absolutely get that. I don't understand why that talk about seems reinforcing like, gender norms in a shitty yeah, way, right? That also that also seems like just like the wrong move because in the other one, it's very clear like they're a team and they like each other, and it's like you're my number one. I'm consulting you on everything. We're going to make our dreams come true together. And that's the deal. That's what we're here. And in this, suddenly Zach Braff is like, but it's my dream. And she's like, wait, hold, stop. Bring me back. Like, stop pushing me away. I'm still here. What are you doing? I don't like the choice. Mm-mm. I think it's a bad choice. <laughs> especially when bad choices especially <laughs> when you're trying to have, like, tell the story of a biracial family, right? Like, of course, like, it, like you're just... Zach Braff is not a good guy. No. You know? <laughs> and but then like at the end it's like, oh, he is a good guy though, because he actually knows Seth's address by heart because he sends him birthday cards. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And it's like, okay, you memorized an address. Go you. Congrats, yeah. King. Good. Okay. And then there's like this weird, like, again, we're having these like racial conversations baked into this story. You're forgetting about your black wife and not caring about her or her experience. And you're like, you have this really unhealthy relationship with her ex-husband who you feel like you constantly have to be compared to and talk about shoe size with. Like, Okay. Jess, that was the most uncomfortable dick joke riff it was really bad like i don't get it like i mean i get it i get what the point is like the oh dick size and shoes like cool like how big is your shoe nine inches i mean uh whatever not yeah like how big is it's just so like it was so boring and so i just hated it it's not i hated it I it, <laughs> and i also i, I hated, hated that so much Kate was also like the the ex-wife was not around and I never really saw her be an actual mom. But like the way that the story goes is she she got tired of Paul. So she left Paul like it wasn't Paul's decision is how that's framed. Right. Yeah. But we like I don't see any chemistry between the two of them and I don't ever see her be a mother or even I don't even think I saw her talk to her children like her actual children in this ever. Yeah. So it was just like, okay, that's also really weird and fucked up. And like, there was a lot of really messy storytelling. And a lot of it was because they tried to be like the woke version of this, but in the most performative way. It's the most (laughs) performative version of this story completely. Before we completely dip out of it, the shoe thing. Also, the line was big feet run in our family. That is said by Dom. Again, reinforcing and implying big dick stereotype within blackness. Yes. And another key to like, oh, yeah, this is written by a white guy. Like, that's a joke. Like, oh, the black guy has a big dick. Cool. <laughs> like, re- like, that's really it? Like, that's the... All right. Great. <laughs> Congrats mm-hmm. on the joke, I guess. Like, good for you. I just... It was so boring and so for no reason and just reeks of whiteness and again it's just ugh, whatever i will say i did love and i was really hopeful because after the really shitty early montage of like this is how we met and blah 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 and i'm like oh ugh, whatever this is a little bit boring when finally we're seeing the kids and it is kate sitting with on tiktok with her headphones yes <laughs> they say um She's like, what are you guys playing? And they're like, oh, Drag Race? And she's like, great. I love RuPaul. 
um yeah such a dumb <laughs> joke and it's so funny <laughs> because she's so tuned out and she's like what's tiktok and mm, i love rupaul but it's them like literally drag racing around the house like perfect and i it literally it instilled so much hope and they got her me. a topo chico right and, yeah like, and oh, they're like not yeah, and she's like drinking it shittily. I'm like, you're amazing. Who is this character? I'm so obsessed with you, and this is so funny. Um, I, I really instilled so much hope. I was like, okay, this seems like it's gonna be a fun ride. Like, I love that joke, and, and then I'm it's ready like, for the oh, movie. she's the ex-wife, and it's like that doesn't work at all. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I did like her. There were moments that didn't really make sense with her. But as a whole, I like the idea. Again, this movie is full of ideas that I generally like. Mm -hmm. Like that idea of co-parenting of like not being like, well, my ex is an asshole. It's like, no, well, my ex is here. We just aren't together anymore. And she's going to be a part of the kids' lives. And we're we get along for the kids' sake. And why don't we get along for our sake, too? Like you're kind of a mess, but you're cool. Like, fuck it. Who cares? Like we're all a mess. Hang out. And same with Dom. Like. He went and did his thing, but now he's back and he's like, hey, I I, I want to be here too. And as much as Zach Raff is like, mm, maybe not, Zoe is like, no, he's going to be here in the same way that Kate's here. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, that's true. He deserves to be here in the same way that she deserves to be here. Let's just do this. And you're like, gorgeous. I yes. love the idea. I'm so into the concept. I'm so into the idea. I think it's like a really fun take on the modern family and the the expectation or like the it's it's instilling that visual of like yes it's okay to be friends with exes it's okay especially for the sake of kids like why why is it just like fuck my ex blah it's just like you just stop like let him come talk to them come on i at least wanted one scene where kate talks to her children and is their mom yeah literally she was like she was the babysitter this whole time. I never saw her as mom. And I don't yeah. think she ever talked to like, I mean, and this movie didn't send her her kids a call, which is great, which is fine. We don't care except for um, the adopted kid. Right. Um, which I also love that. I like that. That was great. Like right? the inclusion of just like incidental uh, uh, trauma. Like their best friend b- dies and bad, they bad things happen. W- they got no questions accident. asked. They uh they adopted the child like yeah, great like, w- excellent of course of course we are we're of the godparents course. of course we are and you're like what a wonderful inclusion to the story but then she never even like she never talks to any of them she's never has a moment where she's with them and like Dom is like there with his fucking kids right you're like you have no question about his who he is and who he is to these kids right so like I I wish that maybe we would have taken out some of the you know the daddy dick jokes and um, (laughs) maybe had like a moment there because I think like it would have been like, I would have loved to see, you know, Kate like helping her disabled daughter with like a TikTok uh, for her band or something, right? Like how cute would that have been? Literally, you had so many cool little backstories with all these kids that you established off the bat. You're telling us who these Mm -hmm. people are and you're like, amazing. And her specifically, like, I want to know about her life. I want to know about her as a wheelchair writer. I want to know about her punk band. I want to know about like what she's into. I want to see them play. Why didn't they play her brother's like I here? They could have played her brother's birthday because her brother is into the punk girl. Right. And I love that punk glow up. That was so fucking cute. It was super cute. Um, How cool would that have been? That's the perfect. That's literally the right answer. That's exactly what would have happened and should have happened. Like, why else are you telling us that she's a punk? Like, and I know that some stuff might have gotten cut. And I know that, like, maybe that was the intention. Right. Like, maybe that's why 
we were told that she's like a, a young punk. Maybe that's why, like all this stuff. And maybe she, maybe, who knows? Who knows what got cut? Who knows what's not a, a part of it? But that is 100% the correct answer. <laughs> like for the story, of course, because then we get more of her. We get more of that like little story. And I'm, like, and we see her doing something I, other than just sitting in her wheelchair. Because, I mean, she has, like, two lines in the whole movie, right? But, like, Which, and to be fair, there's that, a lot of kids who have, like, two lines. Because there are way too absolutely. many people. And, again, don't have so many kids. Jesus. But, I mean, I mean, it's a different context in this one, obviously. But, even then, not everyone's going to get the screen time they deserve. But, I feel like we spent a lot of time with that cousin for no reason. Like, why did... Like, and I get that it's a conversation about, like, addiction and low income like i get it i understand that that's why we're doing this but it is just the mistake of like too many infographics shoved into one film like it's too it's too much of like and not to say that it's like we shouldn't be talking about this but it's like we should be but you're already having so many different conversations about things barely so like why are we throwing more in like just have conversations about what's already happening and like the 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 racism aspect is already a huge chunk of this movie. A, hire a black writer to help you write that. B, spend more time with it. Really investigate it. Really interrogate what that means for the family and for these characters in a real way. And not just some white guy's perspective on what he thinks should happen for these characters. No. Mm-hmm. Get, get actual perspective here. Like, come on. I just, we don't need to include more characters just for the sake of like... Uh, I don't know. It was too many. It was literally too many cooks in the kitchen. Like that was the whole deal. And it was too much. Yeah, it really was. Um, there there was a lot of really good ideas for this that just were just really poorly executed. It didn't yeah. go anywhere. Um, you know, and instead we decide instead of focusing on the kids, we decide to focus like half the movie on the rivalry between the fathers right it's like which we don't need that like if you're trying to talk about co-parenting and shit like that like why are you why are you doing this like it's oh look women can get along together but like you know and so like that's fine but like two men in the same room no like like you want to be progressive you want to like do this right or you know you want to be progressive and be like oh cool it's a biracial family like at least have the husband listened to his wife and his wife's experiences where she, you know, like he doesn't listen to her on like, I'm uncomfortable here and I don't like this. and I'm not sure this is the right move for our children. Right. He doesn't even listen to her when she's like, I don't like it, it's so fucked up the way that he like takes her to this house, too, because like he's like, hey, I think that we should spend some of the investment money on us. And she's like, no, I think we should spend it on the business. Like, I don't want her. She has the 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 fucking perfect answer where she's like, I don't, we can't afford that house payment if something happens. Like, I, this is not a good move. And he's like, no, 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 trust me. It's going to be great. You'll have a walk-in closet. And she's like, I had a walk-in closet and I left that because my husband wasn't around. And to me, I I would rather have my family, my my husband with me and be poor than have him be like you know gone and have like all, everything that i could ever desire and then she says you know? like i think it's you did she say like it sounds like it's you the one you're the one who wants to walk yes. in the closet and you're like this is so great and so poignant and perfect this I, is again, good 
obsessed like what a good perspective to have and he's still like no we're moving and she's like "Mm, okay and how fucked up he's like hey okay cool let's let's go check out this house takes the whole fucking family doesn't leave him with kate or anything right he takes the whole family and he's like this is your new home you can all have a, a room there's an elevator there's this and like like at that point anything that gabrielle union would have said to like you know, like, oh, no, we can't afford this. Oh, no, we can't do this. Like, maybe let's think about this. She would have been the villain because yes. her children now have seen something that they didn't that they didn't think that they would ever have access to. Yeah. And now that one person is telling them that that's a thing, if if she said, no, we can't do this. It's you know yeah. what I mean? It's just control disguised to chivalry. And it's so annoying and boring. Like. Like, wow, this amazing gesture. It's like, no, it's manipulative. She said she didn't want to do it. And suddenly you're putting her in, impos- in an impossible position to where she will be the villain if she says no. Like, that's so unfair to her. And, like, again, why I like the other one more is just because, like, St- Steve Martin would have never done that to Bonnie Hunt. <laughs> he would not have. He would not <laughs> have done that. He would have been like, let's talk about this first. We need, like, come down to the basement. Shut. We need to talk about this. Something big just happened. Do not include them. We need to That's right. do it together. Yeah. It's us. And then we say what's for our family, the two of us. We are the unit. It's not Zach Raff being a fucking asshole and putting Gabrielle Union in a shitty position. Ugh. So yeah. many opinions. Which was so much of this movie, too. <sighs> yeah. Like, and so much of this movie was like, hey, racism exists. And you're hey. like, yeah, it does. Uh-huh. Cool. Great. What but is like it what was... <laughs> what else are you saying about it? Like it we know it does. Like it was uh not to say that I was necessarily like, wow, I really hope Cheaper by the Dozen the remake does not disappoint cuz <laughs> I was not thinking that at all, but I just it was fine. It was big big old fine leaning back. It... Like Yeah. Uh, I just wanted I want to, I do want to see her band now. Like now that you say that like her band should have played the party, I'm like her band should have played the fucking party. That would have been so cool. Have her shred on the guitar. And like, write an original song for it, Freaky Friday style. Like it could have been mm-hmm. so fucking sick. Like the best part of that Freaky Friday movie were those songs in her band and like amazing. Make that happen for this. Like why why not? It's right there. It's in the it's in the pudding. And that's and part then, of the Disney formula oh, too, right? So like sell. just fucking do They're it. They're going to sell the song. Like do it. And here's the thing also. Check it out. Because then, oh God, it would have been fun. And I don't mean to like continue to running, but I'm going to continue to running again. How devastating would it have been for Zach Braff when he showed up and he missed his daughters for a show? Yeah. He would have been like, I've never seen you. Like, it's like Gabrielle Union's like, she performed and they were amazing and like, are you so proud of our daughter? Oh, wait, you weren't here. Why weren't you here for this amazing thing? A, your son's birthday. B, your daughter who's this sick ass, has the sick ass band and you weren't here to see it because you've been being a selfish asshole up in San Francisco. God, that would have been so good. Right? It could have been like a wonderful little shift. Like, uh, whatever. Speaking of the punk so much, stuff. Uh, speaking of that glow up that I loved for DJ, right? Like, yeah. I really, really didn't like that Dom, like, and again, like, this movie just, like, works to, like, reinforce a lot of, like, really harmful gender norms, right? Um, Where Dom was like, 
what are you are you wearing eyeliner you gotta take that stuff I'm taking my kid home right now because you you all suck and you don't know how to raise my son because he's not being a man a man enough well, it's, for him it's, right it's just casual homophobia too where he thinks yes, he's being exactly. effeminate he's wearing makeup who is exactly. this little queer you're making him a woman and I hate women so I'm taking him home and you're like okay. exactly Exactly. Um, I do like, but in, but in that turn, like that conflict is really tough because then you get to see Dom in like a really negative way. Like he's not responding to this well. He doesn't look good in this situation. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I do like how they resolve it with the, yeah, hey, what? Like it's so cliche, but whatever. But like, why don't I take you to Comic Con? And DJ's like, are you serious? That was so and he's cute. Like, yeah. yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm serious. He's like, oh my god, we could do cosplay, we could do whatever. And then he's like, hey. A uh, nerdy white guy. What is cosplay? And he's like, it's a lot. It, it is spandex. You're gonna be warm. And he's like, it, yeah. He's like, it's gonna be rough, but you should do it. He's like, you're right. Okay, great. And he Gorgeous. does it. And that was so cute. And I love that so much. And I love that like that his sister went with them too. Like as like as this family. Like yeah. I love that. I love that. That's how he was like. He he not only said, like, I don't know my kids well, but I want to and I want to be there. And he fucking showed up immediately yes. as soon as he's like, you know what? I am going to make this choice and I am going to do this for my family. And that's what I love about a lot of the characters in this, because it does seem like there were so many good ideas and there were really wonderful moments here. But as just like a whole, it didn't cohese. Like it just didn't mm-hmm. it didn't find its place. It didn't find its footing. And like. Because there were like genuine moments where I was like, this is like really touching and cool and good. And yeah, lit- I mean, again, I'm going to keep going back to it. But anything, anytime Gabrielle Union was on screen, she carried it. She's perfect. Like perfect scene. Everything about it's perfect. So th- there is a lot. There's a lot of elements in this that are great. But as a whole, rough stuff. And also just hire a fucking hire black writers, like hire non-white writers to tell non-white stories like that's that should be obvious and simple and ah just like literally share a screen share a story by credit like who cares yes this movie is goof yeah goofy this movie movie did not this movie did not it did not it didn't hit it wasn't it (laughs) um yeah just end like end of sentence We're back. Hello. Hello. Hi. Eric. Hi. Cheaper by the Dozen, 2002? Who was this for? Wait, was it 2002 or 2003? It was 2003. You're right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have um, said so many untrue things on this podcast. We do it. I do. Jess, you know <laughs> that I like make shit up on the top of my head and oh, sometimes absolutely. I have to literally revise as soon as I say it. Like, well, wait, I do think I just made that up. That's not real. Or like afterwards, then I'm just like, ah, <sighs> oh, fuck. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I actually don't think that's true at all. Um, who was it for? Honestly, I think it was for Hillary Duff's career. Now, with that being said. Oh. Did she carry it and did it help? No. But this was at the height of Lizzie McGuire. This was like when she was really hitting it. And I think they were trying to make her the, like, I mean, at the time, they were trying to make her the girl. She was the Disney girl, but they were trying to make her like crossover movie star, winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
And but I think that this like two was this like dipping the toes in the water. For well, that's maybe? what I mean. Is like okay. she was like besides Piper, she was like the main kid who always had like separate scenes with dad, separate scenes with mom. She had her own room where she was like quiet and away from everything. I feel like those moments were specifically to to like that's Hillary Duff. Let's remember her. She's it. Remember Hillary Duff, and it did not work. Unforge. Who did you think it was for? I mean, my answer was going to be more boring and just like white suburbia. <laughs> That's also true. Yeah. Because then it's like, I mean, again, growing up in a, a white suburb uh, for like half of my life, a lot of that was like all of these lines were exactly what I would hear all the time or like, you know, the like the level of stress. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I was like, this is who this is for. So they feel seen, and so they can take movies from this, and they could be like, it was for the parents. So they could be like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, see, raising children is so hard. Oh, my goodness. Like, that that's who it was for. My second answer was going to be Simple Plan's amazing track, I'm Just a Kid. Yes. Uh, yes, fuck yes. Because that song still rips. And it was perfect for this movie because it was like kids being kids and being angry. And it's like, I'm just a kid and life. And you're like, yeah, life is a nightmare. (laughs) You're right. I'm six and fuck the world. And you're like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Oh, I love that. I hate my rich white family. Fuck. (laughs) I hate being privileged. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Did you like it? You know what? I actually did. Um, It's like, it is a simple movie. I do think that it's effective. And the really big takeaway for me, why I like it, is because Steve Martin and Bonnie Hunt like each other. And it's so rare, especially in these movies, where it's like, he's going to blame her for being a woman. She's going to blame him for being a bad dad. That's like what's just going to happen. And to see like the resilience there were like, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, they get into a couple little fights. But overall, they're still each other's biggest like support. Like you're still my best friend. I still have you no matter what. Like we're still doing it. And it was like that. I felt like that was so consistent. That's why I like the movie. Did you like it? You did win me over with that because like you're right. There's not a moment where they blame each other like you were saying, for, like, being a woman or for being, like, I mean, are there moments where they get into fights? Yes, but... And she's um, really only blaming him for being, like, why didn't you tell me that this was happening? Right. And his response is really just, like, if I told you, you would have come back and you would have crushed your dreams. So it's kind of, like, an impossible situation where, like, he wants the best for her and she's, like, but that's unfair because I need to come home. And he's, like, no, you need to follow your dream. And that's where it's, like, obviously there's going to be a... in in that moment, but... It seems like both of them still just want the best for themselves and their family. You know, it felt good. I still don't like it. I, Ooh, okay. I still was just kind of like, I don't ever need to see this movie again. I found it pretty boring. And yeah. there was a lot of chaos and then like a little scene and a lot of chaos. And like, because like these things that they set up didn't pan out, like, I don't know. I, it to me, this just felt like a nothing movie. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't really care about it. It is so. sort of a nothing movie. A hundred percent, absolutely agree. It doesn't like matter in the grand scheme of anything. It's just like a movie, and it exists. 
How about the 2022 Cheaper by the Dozen? Um, was it new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive? How will we feel in? I think it is new and interesting and progressive for literally all the ways we discussed. There were so many great ideas thrown around for the depictions of like non uh, cis white genetic families. Like it was a conversation about like adoption, the conversation about biracial parenting, about co parenting, about uh, there was just so much there. So I thought it was new for that reason. I also thought it was progressive for that reason and interesting for that reason. But again, like we said, none of it really cohesed in any way that felt um, good or like felt like it hit the mark. Like none of those ideas really happened. Like they they were just ideas on paper. And then that's kind of like that's where they landed. They didn't really go anywhere from just like that. Hey, look at this idea. And you're like, that's a cool idea. Oh, nothing. OK, great. Cool. Like we're just not we're just not like that's just where it's going to sit. So, Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was uh I think it was definitely new and interesting. I liked the family was very non-traditional in the sense that these two people got together from uh had kids from two different marriages, had kids themselves, had an adopted kid, took in like another child that, you know, needed like help because uh, their parent was, you know, uh there was like addiction and all of that. I like that. I like that, you know, the other parents were involved. I could have done with a lot less conflict between the men's. Um, but just because I feel like there there was already so much to go on. And also I think that's always just such a boring take on all of that. Uh, and I did think it tried to be progressive in, in some of these ways, but I think um, a lot of the progressiveness, um, like you said, it didn't really pan out. Like it, it was out in the ether and then just like nothing came of it or it felt really performative, you know? Yeah. Um, it felt yeah. like it was written a, a story about like, you know, um, this non-traditional family and like uh, blackness in in this family and that experience written by a white person for white people. So like yeah. it I didn't love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't love that. So I think it's so that, it's so transparent and rough. <laughs> uh, so I, and that's why I think like there was a lot of really good ideas, but um, but they were all either surface level or performative. Who do you think this was for? Uh, Gabrielle Union, 100%. Uh, go off. This was your movie. This literally, like, the movie does not exist without you. Um, who do you think it was for? Oh, it was 100% for her. And even okay. in the, <laughs> I did click on one or two of the um, 84 fucking articles that showed up for me about this damn movie. And every time she was interviewed about it, she, like, was stoked on it and saying that like she did this because that like growing up she didn't there were no stories about like black people in this way like on on screen so she wanted to like have kind of that diversity and she was really excited to be a part of it for for that reason for representation and everything so like it was for her and she did want it for her so good good for you you made it it looked um i mean you carried the movie literally any uh, I know I'm I'm speaking directly to her. No, um, <laughs> I I mean same like <laughs> I mean I, yeah. <laughs> like literally, you're so sick. And if you've ever listened to this, you're you are amazing in every possible way. Like 
I just anytime I mean, she was on screen, she was just like she commanded the screen. She commanded yeah. the scene. She like really took this like bad script and just like you know she felt like the only believable character. She felt like I don't know. She was great. So we love her, but what did you think about the movie? Did you oh, like it? I didn't like it. It's not a good movie as a whole, as a whole idea. It is not I don't think it's a good movie. Um it could be. It could have been. I feel like again, a lot of ideas presented were cool and interesting, but I it just didn't really get there for me. So personally, I didn't really like it. How about you? Same. And I think that People just need to take down our number and call us when they need some uh, punch-ups for their script. Can you imagine if you and I were able to go through some of these scripts beforehand and be like, boom, here's this. Let's punch this up. Let's what do if this, this like, literally got us a fucking job? Would that be oh my crazy? God. Should we do like a consulting thing? I, should we just like- I would. Should we have nostalgic consulting? Full like, transparency to all the listeners there. Consulting? We write. We write hire us like i'm almost done with an actual new screenplay right now so like hey all y'all hire us let also, us do this eric has won awards for his award winning script writer um, i'm a goddamn screenwriter god damn it um also no, they're so good like I'll make, really so good i'll make your I'm story i'm not just gay. saying that because i love you <laughs> i'll make your story gay is really what i'll do for your stuff Hire me. It's really fun, <laughs> and I'm very fun, and I have good ideas. So, um, if you're out there, hire Hit me. Hit us up. All right. Well, uh, I also didn't like it. FBI. Okay. I didn't yeah. like it. I I was like, oh wait, I probably should say I didn't <laughs> like it. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, look at us. We made We're it. Done. Looks like we, we made. made it. Look how far we gone, baby. Man. Well, anyways, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you. And please don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media, notstalgia.pod. Um, hit us up. I'm going to start going wild on Twitter. So, like, follow the Twitter. Let's get reckless. I already had some. Oh, my God. Uh, did you see somebody responded to one of my tweets? No. It was the homophobic dog. And it's like, are you gay? With, like, a suggestion. And I said it was um, Eric whenever a character is introduced. Uh, and some <laughs> and somebody responded that, like, is that a problem? <laughs> <laughs> and oh i'm obsessed i'm obsessed and Incredible. i was just like no it's not a problem we love it and they didn't respond but i'm like uh yes oh it was so good it this felt person so clearly fun. does not know us love. no we're, we're just some <laughs> random page it's like oh are you homophobic I'm like oh shut up go away Ugh, no anyways. listen to our podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally go listen to our podcast you'll figure it out um but follow us on social media mm. our artwork and music is by eric lefebly See, I did it again. Lefebvre. Oh, my god. I'm obsessed. I like that. (laughs) Artwork and music by Eric Lefebvre. Editing by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Goodbye. 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 This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit the NostalgiaNetwork.com for more. Avatar The Last Airbender is more than just a show. It's a conversation of growth. Of trauma. 
of culture, of intention, and of change. The Momos and the Appas is a weekly conversational podcast from the Nostalgia Network dedicated to discussing the Avatar universe as folklore, episode by episode. I'm Eric Lefebvre. I'm Dr. Amber Jones. And I'm Jessica Tercero. Join us weekly as we dig into all things Avatar and Korra, including Uncle Iroh's hot bod versus his war criminal history. Avatar Aang's well-meaning cultural revisionism versus Zuko's performance of toxic masculinity. How ultimately Katara is the savior and the hero of the story. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.